0: What's up, Eagles Nation? We are back after another long, unexpected hiatus. Uh, welcome once again to Eagles Trash Talk. This is your host, Brandon Fisher, recording live from my kitchen, and I am joined via Skype, as always, by my intrepid co-host, John Fogg of USA Today Sports Media Group. John, say hello to all of our
1: friends. Hello to all of our friends. All right. Well, John, we
0: have so much to get into today, so I, I kind of want to just dive right in, um, it's been a busy, busy off season, um, as it usually is. Um, doesn't really seem like there's ever um, a break um, when you're an Eagles fan, uh, or if you cover the Eagles at all. Um, the one of, the, I guess, you know, probably one of the biggest stories that we're looking at right now is um, you know the the Nick Foles situation. Uh, he is still still an Eagle. Um, you know, despite some some trade talk and and speculation there, um, he is Still, um, you know, the backup uh, providing Carson Wentz uh, starts week one, which is what it looks like everyone is is counting on. Um, He did say recently, though, that um, in in an interview that he does want to be a starter somewhere. Um, John, what do you what do you make of that? Um, Do you think he still gets traded or um, what do you think is going to happen with Nick Foles?
1: I was sort of on the fence about this. Uh, his latest remarks are are another ink blot test, and I think I've said that a couple of times regarding Nick Foles in this off season, because you can take a quote from from Foles, you can take a quote from Howie Roseman, and re- read into it what you want. Because yeah, it's true. You know, he does want to be a starter. That doesn't mean that he wants to be traded. It doesn't mean that he's asked for a trade. It doesn't mean anything other than what he said, which is, I want to be a starter. And who who in his shoes wouldn't, right? He's proven that he can do it, and he won a Super Bowl. What more can you do to prove that you're a starting caliber quarterback? But to answer your question, I think ultimately he won't be traded, um for two reasons. One is that while Carson Wentz appears to be on target to start in week one, we don't really know that he will be. And it's in the Eagles' interest to act like he will be because that keeps everybody else guessing. In terms of, you know, the opponents, the teams that the Eagles are gonna play. They don't if the Eagles can can do anything to make the rest of the league no less than they should do it, and and if they act like Carson Wentz is going to be ready for Week One, then it, it, you know it, it kind of makes the rest of the league have to prepare for that. And the other reason that I don't think he'll be traded is that there really aren't that many quarterback needy teams out there anymore. Uh, after what happened in free agency, you know, a, a flurry of signings from. Everybody from Case Keenum to, to Sam Bradford found a home. And the teams that are left without real starting, you know, f- franchise, to use a cliche, franchise quarterback, those teams are pretty well positioned to draft somebody high, you know, whether it's the Browns, whether it's the Broncos, whether it's uh, the, the Bills, I suppose. Mm-hmm. They're aren't really any obvious places for him to go and the places I think that are the most likely are places that Dominic Foles I wouldn't want to go there you know I wouldn't want to go to Cleveland they're a disaster they've won one game in the past two years combined I wouldn't want to go to Buffalo I wouldn't want to go to the Jets so you know maybe maybe that's a possibility but given that I, th- I think Carson Wentz is still it's still up in the air. I don't think, you know, you can't prove that he's going to be ready for week one. And as long as it's still up in the air as to whether he's going to be good to go for the start of the season, you've got to keep Nick Foles.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, I, I don't see I you like you. Um, you know, I, I read the remarks that Nick Foles made and they're if, if you're, desperate for a story then yeah maybe you you try to read into it a little bit more than than what's actually you know on the page there but there's there's really no other way for him to answer that question other than to say that you know yes i do want to be a starter because a why wouldn't he and b um i believe that's the truth i you know if he if he were to sit here and say that you know he's perfectly happy where he is um, as a backup after uh, being that the Super Bowl MVP. It's it's just crazy to to think that. I mean, it, it might make some fans feel better um, about, about the Eagles situation to you know, tell themselves that this guy's perfectly happy as a backup. But but truthfully, it's um, it's it's ludicrous. Um, I, I do agree with you though, that there's really no other places for him to go at this point. Anyway, any, any places that would give up what Howie Roseman is asking for and honestly what, what the Eagles would deserve um, to trade for him. Um, so yeah, I think barring it, nothing's going to happen prior to camp, um, and and probably even uh, preseason if it happens at all. And then I, I think it would have to be like a situation where a team like like the Vikings, um, you know, like they did a couple of years ago with Sam Bradford, the, who were you know positioned to you know compete, and maybe their their starting quarterback goes down for the year, and all of a sudden you know they're, they're desperate, then. Maybe then um, somebody picks up the phone and, and inquires about Foles and is willing to give up a little bit more um, than what they would be right now prior to the draft. But honestly, I, I don't see that happening until that point in time. So I think Nick Foles is going to stay right where he is. Um, he might want to be a starter. But honestly, there's there's no... There's no reason for him to be upset even if he does um, remain on the roster for the entire year because he'll get his chance next year for sure if he doesn't this year.
1: It's also worth noting that um, Ray Dittinger, you know, the the dean of Philadelphia Sports Writers, was on WIP during the midday show today and was asked, well, first of all, the, the midday show hosts, uh, Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie, started off the show by essentially saying that Nick Foles would be traded. I mean they were they were <laughs> all in on Foles going, especially Richie. And and then Ray Didinger comes on and says, no, I don't think he's going anywhere. And out of those guys, Ray Dittinger knows the most. He's the insider. And if he says that he thinks Nick Foles is going to be around come week one, then I value that opinion more than anybody else's out there.
0: I just don't, don't know what could the Eagles possibly get for, for Nick Foles that would be worth more than, than what Nick, what they have with Nick Foles. Um, considering that, that Carson Wentz, you know, as you, as you said, there, there's no guarantees that he's going to be ready for week one. Um, so they're going to need a backup quarterback that they can trust. Um, as much as, as much as, you know, you, you value draft picks and and the Eagles don't have very many at all in, in the middle rounds. Um, so you you think, you know, Howie and Joe Douglas are going to be looking to, um, add that somehow, but giving up Nick Foles for that doesn't really make a lot of sense because, um, you're not that desperate this year with with the draft the the eagles really don't have a lot of holes and and we'll get to that here in in a little bit but um the majority of the of the team from last year at least starters anyway were are coming back this year so and and the the ones that aren't have been replaced in free agency so you don't really have a lot of needs so that so the eagles have the luxury of just kind of sitting back and just taking the best player available um I know that's a cliche but but they honestly can do that um with this draft even though they don't have a lot of draft picks now moving forward you know you're you're going to want to have some draft picks for for next year and the and the years beyond but I think you can get away with being kind of quiet in the draft this year because of the um the core that you have and the nucleus that you have this year um uh, coming over from uh carrying over from last year
1: and we're also talking about this on on April 18th. And I, I think that given what we know right now we can say one thing, but if it becomes clear over the next few months that Carson Wentz will be ready or that he won't be ready for week 1, then things can change. And, and as you said, you know, he, he might uh, Nick Foles might get traded in preseason he might get traded at at the end of the preseason
0: yeah eight games before week one he might might go somewhere yeah
1: i I can see that happening as carson's rehab progresses and it's it's already progressed pretty rapidly he's he's back to running so that shows you where he is in terms of what he can do you know there's already been video of him out there throwing the ball and now he says he's running if if it you know if august rolls around and he i, I don't think he's going to play in the preseason regardless of his rehab where he is but if if july august rolls around and and the eagles know that he will be ready for week 1 then they might trade Foles just to get the highest value that they can at that time for him you know they it's 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 not out of the question that Nick Foles will be traded. I just think that what we know now, given what we know now, that he won't be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think it. You know, after this, I, I kind of want to move on because um, I think we we've, we've kind of exhausted this. <laughs> but I will say this, and I I feel very strongly about this, and I I say this with all the confidence in the world. Um, Nick Foles will absolutely not be traded or he will be traded time
1: Oh, uh, yeah time will tell great cliche there
0: <laughs> absolutely um okay so so moving on um let's talk about you know some of the other um goings on in, in free agency now last time it's it's been a little while since we've been on the podcast john but you and i um were pretty pretty adamant that nigel bradham was not coming back uh, to the Eagles, and he was good as gone. Um, But they ended up re-signing him um, to a very team-friendly deal, um, oddly enough. So, John, how does it feel to be so terribly, (laughs) embarrassingly wrong?
1: (laughs) It feels pretty wonderful. Uh, You know, I'm sure that we've been wrong about our fair share of stuff, but I'm glad that we were wrong about that because – you know, the the more the more starters that the Eagles were able to bring back, the better. And being able to bring back guys like Bradham is key, I think, to to continuity. And you, you really can't underestimate the value of that. Um, so we and you, we talked about Bradham. I think we talked about. Hello Dinata, maybe. Although I'm not sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if. It's... No,
0: I don't think we did. We talked. We talked about. Um, maybe he wasn't even signed here. We no, he wasn't. We we were pretty sure that Bradham was gone. I think we were both pretty sure that Vinnie Curry was gone. That that ended up being correct. There you go.
1: So we're we're at least one um, for two.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that we talked about Bo Allen, um, but I I figured he was as good as gone and um so to to bring up uh to bring up uh hollow um he was he's pretty much the replacement for um bo allen i would assume or at least it looks that way um what do, what do you think about that signing
1: well you know it, it's it's certainly a low risk high reward kind of move um not a I, I had a, a great opportunity to watch him back in his prime when he played for the Baltimore Ravens and he's not that player anymore back, you know, four or five years ago, he was probably the most disruptive interior defensive lineman in the entire league. And, you know, when people hear the name, hello, they still think of that player, but he's not that guy anymore. He's more of a role player and if they can get that kind of performance out of him, which, you know, this really is an ideal place for him to go to, to play a limited number of snaps in the Eagles' rotation at defensive line. If they can get, you know, a couple of sacks out of him, three maybe, you know, and get some reliable disruption in the interior, I think that's all they really want.
0: Yeah, um you know, I, I I think you you're you're right that you know, people hear the name and they think that, you know, wow. But he is older. Um he's not the same guy that he was. Um he's basically going to come and be a role player. Um he might not even I I wouldn't even say he's a lock to make the make the roster. Um you know, after final cutdowns, but um you know, well We'll have to see. Um it it's gonna be hard finding a replacement for Bo Allen, but there was just no way the Eagles were gonna bring him back um you know at the at the salary that he got, you know, from Tampa Bay and the, the salary that you know we we kind of figured that he would get. Um that's why the Bradham signing to me um was so impressive because I thought for sure um he was at least going to price himself out of Philly. Um, but somehow, some way, how he was able to, to get him at a, uh, at a very team friendly, uh, price. So that's, that's really what, what was so great about it is the fact that, you know, we were able to retain this guy who played pretty well for us, um, at a position that there's not a lot of depth and, um, you know, we we didn't break the bank uh, re-signing him in a in a time when when we're really pressed against the uh, the salary cap. So um, that's what I like so much about that that signing.
1: Yeah, that was that was huge. Um, but we have to keep in mind that that was made possible in part and probably in large part by a couple of contract restructurings and. You know, eventually you've got to pay the piper. You don't want to restructure too many contracts because it's not like that's a magic wand to free up money in a given year. It, it can be used as a tool to free up money, mm-hmm. but you're just pushing it down the road. So mm-hmm. now that they've done that, I think that that kind of limits how much they're going to be able to restructure guys next year. Or, or even right. even further into the future um, but you know when you've got Harry, Howie Roseman doing the numbers, you've got to trust in Howie and and he's done he's done a fine job this off season, maybe with the exception of a guy that we'll talk about in a little bit um, mm-hmm. but it, all in all I think in free agency as a whole, Howie, uh he he plugged all of the gaps that that he could plug and maybe even made some upgrades. You know, you could argue that the Eagles are a better team now than the team that won the Super Bowl and and that's pretty impressive.
0: It's it's definitely possible and he, he certainly earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh one last free agent I want to talk about before we move on is um Mike Wallace, probably the biggest uh biggest signing since last time we, we spoke. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Mike Wallace um, and any chance that Morley Safer and Ed Bradley might join the, the Eagles as a result of the signing? I, I
1: think we're going to devote 60 minutes to this segment, but talk <laughs> about the Baltimore-Philadelphia pipeline. We, we have Helody nada already, and now we've got Mike Wallace, who mm. I've watched so much of Wallace the past couple of seasons as a Raven. Um, now you could look at his numbers from last season when he had only 748 yards receiving and four touchdowns and think, oh, well, you know, he's on the, he's on the down slide. but the Ravens offense last year was horrific. It was, I mean, I had to have been ranked among the bottom of the, of the, uh, the NFL. And, you know, that, that's, going to hurt any, anybody's numbers. But if you look back at 2016, I think that's a better gauge of what w- what Wallace can do. He had 1,017 yards receiving, four touchdowns, not not too impressive in the scoring output department, but 72 catches. And most importantly, um, his yards per reception, over 14 yards a catch. So he's a big downfield threat and you know when you when you talk about upgrades for this team over last year i think that mike wallace should be an upgrade over Torrey smith in the in the regular season last year tory smith was a disappointment yeah he had an okay playoffs and he had a he he was clutch in the super bowl there's no there's no question but time and again he disappointed in the regular season especially when it came to to holding on to the ball and Mike Wallace should alleviate a lot of those concerns.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. And um, you know, to your point about it being a, an upgrade over over Torrey Smith, like, yeah, I, I think I think that it, that he is an upgrade. Um, he's he certainly would have to catch the ball more more than Torrey Smith did in the regular season. Um, and it's not like it's not like he needs to be that number two guy necessarily you know what I mean I mean he's going to be probably the fourth option um maybe even fifth if you count running backs um you know that, that Carson Wentz is going to be throwing to um so yeah I mean it's, it's not like he he really needs to come in and and be uh you know that that number one or number two guy um I, honestly, I think I think Nelson Aguilar is your number two guy, um, if not if you don't if you're just talking wide receivers and you have Zach Ertz, and um, you know so he's we don't really have to expect a lot out of Mike Wallace for him really to contribute the way we need him to. So right,
1: no, um, he's, he's I, I definitely yeah he's not a thousand, he doesn't he doesn't need to be anywhere near a thousand yards, but he does need to provide. Yeah the the deep ball threat and I, I don't think you're getting that from anybody else maybe maybe one of the younger players maybe Mac Hollins, can emerge as a deep threat
0: yeah and and i was going to say that too i i, I think Mac collins is, is figuring to be um more of the eagles plans going forward um this season we we saw a little bit of flash from him last year um i i, I think they are expecting him to, to take a bigger leap this year. So um, and he certainly can, can give you a deep threat um, as we, we saw a couple times last year.
1: Absolutely. All right. So that, that kind of wraps up the off season as we've seen it, but mm-hmm. well, it doesn't really wrap up the off season as we've seen it, it wraps up free agency, but I think one, one right, of, one right. of the biggest stories of the off season it's certainly not one that the Eagles wanted anything to do with, Eagles or their fans, anybody. Certainly, we we didn't see it coming, and that was the 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 felony charge that was announced with great fanfare by uh, PT Barnum, police chief <laughs> down in Houston, Texas, with Michael Bennett and the alleged pushing of a security worker at Super Bowl 51. So here's what we know. Let's go over what we know in this case. What we know is that Michael Bennett was at the game uh, Energy Stadium watching his brother Martellus who was playing tight end for the New England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons. The game went to overtime. The Falcons won. I'm sorry. The Patriots won. Wishful thinking. Patriots won. (laughs) I wanted the Falcons to win like everybody else, like every other blue-blooded American. But the Patriots won in overtime. I think it was on a James White catch or something. I don't know. I turned it off. But uh, Michael Bennett was somewhere in the depths of the stadium, and he wanted to get out onto the field to celebrate with his brother. And that's – really all we know for sure because what happened next is certainly being disputed and nobody caught any videotape of it in this digital world. But what he is alleged to have done, according to Houston police, is push over a 66 year old woman who happened to be a paraplegic who was helping, I guess, control field access. And um, so that happened and Michael Bennett got out on the field and celebrated and, and nothing else happened other than, I guess it was about a month ago or maybe three weeks ago, um, the news came out of Houston that Bennett was being charged with a felony uh, the felony is specifically injury, injury to the elderly, which is something that – it's a crime I've never heard of, but it's a law in the books in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police chief down there, I think his name is Art Acevedo, really like held a, a press conference with unbelievable pomp and circumstance and came out and pretty much painted Michael Bennett as guilty um, and didn't leave any doubt about it, so well there there is another fact here that that I should point out, and that is that the woman, because she was disabled, was in a a wheelchair, and this wheelchair weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of I think I saw uh eight hundred pounds, eight hundred pounds, so how is it possible i mean we we can get into talking about the specifics of, of this but according to the allegation michael bennett pushed her and her 800 pound wheelchair hard enough to injure her mhm <sighs> yeah
0: <laughs> um you know that there, there's so much um that, first of all great great job on the recap because it's a, there's a lot of there there's a lot of um you know explaining to do to to get to you know just a, a a simple understanding of of what um Michael Bennett and the Eagles are are dealing with 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 this thing um there's there's I have so many questions um we could honestly dedicate an entire podcast to this this one thing and we really don't even know much other than what you've you've just unpacked there so um i'm i'm gonna i'm just gonna start with this um i don't understand how in 2017 at the super bowl there's no video of this alleged incident um that's something i'm it's not new to me um a lot of people have have brought that up uh, it's just it it boggles my mind that, that nobody has um video of this if 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 it if it occurred as um uh what's the, what's the guy's name the Houston uh is it the police chief yeah our, our, uh, art Oceledo? Oceledo,
1: right
0: yeah is it as he's as he stated if it happened that way it 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 doesn't make any sense that there w- wouldn't be any kind of video there's no surveillance footage um i i get it i get it that you know at the end of the super bowl there's so much um chaos and 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 that sort of thing going going around but if it happened the way that they they said that it happened and um you know in in the absence of there being Video evidence: The um, Houston PD is is saying that there was a police witness um, who saw the entire thing. He did not arrest Michael Bennett at that point in time, deciding instead, as as they're claiming, to um, to tend to the to this allegedly injured woman, um, and then. Some time went on, and a year went went on, and I guess other other cases came up that were more important, which is understandable, um, which is why it, they're saying it took so long for him to finally um, in, indict Michael Bennett, um, and the, you know they waited this long. Um, it just it makes no sense to me. Even if the police officer did decide not to pursue Michael Bennett. To instead tend to this woman, where there are no other police officers present, um, it's not like they—they. It sounds like they knew who he was at the time. So why didn't they just say, "Hey, you know, go get this guy off, you know, off the field"? Um, he just did this thing. It—it um, it, none of it makes any sense. But what really, really stands out to me is—and. Um, this is what i think it all boils down to um michael bennett i'm i'm sure you know um last year um uh, made a pretty um inflammatory accusation against the las vegas police department um he was in las vegas at a casino at a time where some gunshots were fired and it was. It was during was, the.
1: Uh, it was during a fight. Was it McGregor or Mayweather?
0: It, yeah, it might have been McGregor. I It was during the fight. I think. I think it was during McGregor and, and Mayweather. But anyways, there was a there was an active shooter. Um, the police um, attempted to arrest Michael Bennett, and I. And I'm. It's a little hazy, and I I do know that they. Basically, just assume that that he was the guy um there might have been a little bit of extracurricular stuff um and Bennett basically stated that he feared for his life and thought that the that the police were gonna kill him and that they used excessive force um That has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um He has also been very active and vocal in the national anthem protests. Um, along with Colin Kaepernick, and so he's, we're going to, let's call spade a spade, he is persona non grata across the country with various police departments. There's, There's, there's no other way to put it. So, I honestly feel like the only thing I can think of is, the Houston Police Department have this whatever happened um, they've, they've got this situation that he may or may not have been involved in I don't believe they have a case whatsoever um, if they did I think that this stuff would have gone down a hell of a lot sooner than it actually did um, I also don't believe that Acevedo would be on TV grandstanding as he was because if he had a case, if it was airtight, if he could prove that Michael Bennett did what he what he did, he wouldn't be on TV calling the guy a monster, calling the guy a menace to society or whatever else he wanted to say. He could have said something as easily as, look, you know, we've got evidence that Michael Bennett pushed over this lady. Um, she's paraplegic. She's elderly. That's a felony in the state of Texas um even though he's an NFL player he's not above the law we're going to prosecute him and and that's that he could have left it at that and then let things happen as they did but he stood up there and he you know, made this big old stink a bigger the Houston Police Department had a bigger press conference and more fanfare than the Austin Police Department did when they when they got the um the Austin bomber so it was a little bit ridiculous. Um, I just, I don't think they have a case. Um, I think they're, they're grandstanding. I think they're trying to make an example of them. And I think they know that they're going to lose in the courts. So they're just trying to, um, they're trying to convict him in the court of public opinion. um, Knowing what, what we know about the, the divide that is, um especially in in the NFL over the national anthem protests um, so I think they're they're trying to punish Michael Bennett in that way,
1: yeah, certainly Bennett is a lightning rod in the NFL and beyond he's one of the most outspoken players when it comes to social issues, and you might be right, you might be i mean you might be right in that this could be a sort of retribution against him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe maybe that is true. Maybe it isn't. But what we do know is that there is a huge gap between what the Houston police say happened and what Michael Bennett and his attorney, I mean, he's spoken through his attorney. He hasn't spoken about it himself, as you would Mm -hmm. expect, His attorney is Rusty Harden, who is a very, very high-profile defense attorney, Um, and sports fans, I'm sure, who are old enough anyway, would remember that he defended Roger Clemens in his perjury trial um, six or so years ago, and Clemens was acquitted in that case, when a lot of people went in thinking he was guilty, at least in the public, so... Mm -hmm. What Rusty Hardin has said is that not only did this not happen the way the Houston police say it did, but that Bennett didn't even touch this woman. Mm-hmm. So that's just a huge gap between something that could be a felony, something that is a felony according to the Houston police, and not even touching her. The other thing that's suspicious about it, And I think anybody anybody would look at this and say this is suspicious is that that game was in February of twenty seventeen. And the charges the charge, the one charge was announced on March twenty sixth of twenty eighteen. That's you know, that's Mm -hmm. over a year and a month. So how the heck could that have not could that not come out any any quicker? The, the excuse of we were dealing with other things and we couldn't get hold of Michael Bennett, they just don't fly. It's just not – they're not credible excuses. You know, for one thing, Michael Bennett is on TV every week. And if you want to find him, I'm sure you can.
0: Yeah, hell, I, I could find <laughs> Michael Bennett. At any just look in, the, look in the <laughs> backfield <laughs>
1: of whoever – the Seattle Seahawks were playing last year and and you could find him
0: yeah it's the, the whole thing is ridiculous um not not to say and I think this is important this isn't to say that he's 100% innocent um but what I am saying is that the just the, the way the the police department is handling this case and has handled it is just so bizarre and um it it doesn't make a lot of sense and i i think it's it's completely off track and it's not it it sounds to me like somebody's you gearing up for a re-election and wants to 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 make a mark in a in a flyover state and I, I don't want to bring politics into it but i i think that's where we are um in the country at at this point in time um like you said he's a lightning rod um it's just an easy way to get the uh, the bible belt um you know on your side it's just just an easy way to do it and um and i i think that's what we have here um unfortunately um you know an an elderly paraplegic person um apparently got hurt in this in this entire thing and um you know if uh if michael bennett did injure this person then you know may justice be served but it just just doesn't add up it there's there are a lot of questions that i have and um I I don't believe that the that the Houston Police Department in this case is being completely forthright, and I don't believe that they are using their um, their authority in in the proper manner.
1: Yeah, I I think that what you said about this being a a political um, sort of like a political. Vault or it, it 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 just stinks of politics. And mm-hmm. um I can't help but think that there's some something at stake politically for the police chief or for the district. A district the district attorney. attorney or, um or the coroner perhaps. <laughs> Maybe even, I don't know who the mayor of Houston is. I don't know if this, I don't know if the mayor has any involvement, but certainly the district attorney and the police chief are central to this whole escapade. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, this, this case seems like it's built on sand. Like it's, a, there's nothing there. And mm-hmm. what what it really is, is just a major distraction that mm-hmm. the Eagles certainly didn't want any part of, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that they uh, have stuck with Bennett, you know, they, they certainly haven't done anything to indicate that they're going to let go of him. Indicates that you know they're going to ride this out with him, and and that's a contrast to probably something that we have to talk about in this segment, and that's Daryl Worley's case. And really, you know, has Mm -hmm. has it been an eventful offseason for the Eagles or what? They have a player charged with a felony in Houston, and then they have Daryl Worley, who had barely been with the team for a month, get Mm. arrested at the intersection of Broad and Patterson for being drunk and asleep in his car and blocking the road. So. Daryl Worley is no longer a Philadelphia Eagle. He he was an Eagle for a month. And that was it. It's really a shame because he he's a Philadelphia guy. He went to Penn Charter High School and uh, was coming home. And, and, you know, the Eagles got him in the Tory Smith trade, which everybody thought was a steal. I think, you know, 99% of... Analysts, experts, and fans would have said that Torrey Smith was going to be cut. Mm -hmm. So you have to contrast those two things. The Eagles are standing by by Michael Bennett, and then the Worley news breaks, and he's cut within a few hours. Certainly, I don't think Worley had any rebuttal, any any reasonable excuse for what he did. Um, Whereas... You know, in the Bennett case, essentially, Bennett and, and Rusty Harden have said, we didn't do anything like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have those two things happen in the offseason is, is not good, to say the least. Because the one thing we talked about all last year and, and, and in the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl was how critical it was for the Eagles to stay out of trouble. And, and they did, I don't think they had a single run in with the law last year at all after you know what happened in twenty sixteen with Nigel Bradham getting arrested twice and josh huff Josh Huff getting arrested on the on the Ben Franklin bridge was that it
0: yeah, I believe I believe it was the Ben franklin
1: and he was on his way to he was on the New Jersey side, which right was what really it,
0: it really mattered
1: because he had a gun with him right so yeah it, it yeah,
0: was he, illegal he gun in gun jersey had... but
1: it wasn't in pennsylvania
0: you're right i don't know if it was the gun that was illegal or the the bullets but yeah that's true he it's... had that and, he, and he, had, he had marijuana as well and it
1: was just, and i was looking through the i was looking through the archives and there was one other incident i had totally forgotten but this also happened in 2016 and that was um nelson aguilar Getting right, uh, an accusation slapped against him by a stripper. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was a, a sexual assault allegation. I don't even remember what the strip club was, but he was exonerated within a matter of days, or maybe even maybe a week. Mm. It turned out to be just mm-hmm. a, a a stripper who didn't think she got paid enough, or something like that. But you know, you, you just don't want things like that happening around the team, regardless of whether it's just made up or, or not. And after staying out of trouble all last year, getting to the Super Bowl, you know, no no last minute controversies or or anybody coming out of the shadows to make wild accusations now in, in the in the two months and change since the eagles beat the patriots we've had all of this happen and it's like uh oh, here we go again
0: mm. well um you know, you know as you said the the Worley thing is is very unfortunate um now in it, in addition to you know like, like you said his case is a little bit more cut and dry Michael Bennett's is Um, another thing that's a little bit more cut and dry is the fact that um, Bennett for sure had had a bigger role uh, to play has a bigger role to play on the Eagles than than Worley was Um, I I thought he was a promising player Um, it's it's one of those risks that they that, that you take though um you know anytime you make a trade for a guy, especially one as young and um, as talented as as Worley is um you know there there's a reason why the other team is willing to to give him up um, now I know it it did come out that you know, one of the one of the concerns that the general manager in Carolina had was apparently Worley was a fan of the nightlife. Um, he liked to, um, to imbibe uh, here and there a little bit like to, to stay out, you know, pretty late.
1: Um, yeah. But that describes a lot of NFL players, but mm-hmm. Let, let's be honest. It does. It,
0: it, uh, it does. And and you got to think that, that you, know Howie Roseman and, and his personnel team, you know, they, the, the scouting, they 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 do a really good job of vetting these guys, and you got to kind of weigh, you know, the risk reward kind of thing, and you know, so I mean, you you hear a thing like that and you think, well, you know, you know, as you said, that that could be a lot of, I mean, Nelson Aguilar was at a strip club a couple years ago, you know, um, but that does that necessarily make him a bad person? No but the these are the the risks that you run so you got to you got to you weigh those and think you know can what can we do with this guy can we can we trust him um or is is you know is is it going to be an issue um unfortunately for Worley he he made a mistake and um you know, now he's, he's paying that price. Um, Ike Reese said something, you know, a few days ago that I thought was, was pretty poignant. He, you know, he said, you know, it, it's a shame for him. Um, and it's a shame that the Eagles had to cut him, but what's more important than his job with the Eagles is the fact that nobody was hurt. Um, he didn't hurt anybody on the road. He didn't hurt himself. um, None of the officers involved got hurt, and that's that's really you know what we need to be thankful for in this in this situation. And I, I believe that's that's absolutely true. Um, he's a young guy, so I'm hoping that he's able to bounce back from it. Um, but un- unfortunately, this is not something that that the Eagles need, and I, I think the Eagles were right to to cut him. Um, and it just. I I think it changes the picture at cornerback. Um I'm you know there's there was some speculation that um there was a a trade uh maybe not necessarily in the works but but planned possibly um you know a guy like Ronald Darby um but maybe maybe that doesn't happen now um cuz the Eagles are one less um one less role player down on um at cornerback this year.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how much Worley was going to play other than at nickel. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's the big impact of him getting released. He was kind of slotted in already as as a, a nickel cornerback and with with the loss of Patrick Robinson in free agency, mm-hmm. That's a big need for the Eagles on defense. You know, you said, you said that they don't have many, and, and that's true, but that is one of them. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of back to square one now on um, solving the vacancy at nickel corner. Um, but, you know, that's what the draft is for, and and um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles go cornerback.
0: I'll tell you this much. Um Something about the Eagles and country music just doesn't mix. You've got Daryl Worley, country s- superstar, who gets you know arrested, and then you know a couple of years ago, Riley Cooper at a Kenny Chesney concert. Um, just just not, not a good not a good mix between the Eagles and country music. So maybe stick to Meek Mill.
1: Daryl Daryl Worley, the country singer, got arrested. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, on Broad and Patterson.
1: Oh that guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that that's actually, you know, you said you said it was thankful or, you know, it it's it's fortunate that nobody got hurt. But mm-hmm. man, is that embarrassing for for Daryl oh, sure. Worley to get arrested yeah. for all kinds of charges ranging from DUI, alleged DUI to alleged mm-hmm. gun possession basically right out in front of the team headquarters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. That's just embarrassing.
0: Yeah. It's a, not, not a good look. Um, worse. I think than, than the Josh Huff uh, arrest from a you know, two years ago, but
1: you know, yeah. So let's, but, let's uh, leave that negativity and talk about something even more negative. And that's <laughs> <laughs> the n f l in general, how about this n f l huh they're they're changing all kinds of roles this off season mm-hmm. and it doesn't all seem to be for the better, but there are a couple of huge role changes that uh, you know I, I think they're getting a lot of publicity, but once the season rolls around, I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes, and the big one or the, at least the bigger one out of the role, the big role changes is that lowering the helmet on any play is now outlawed. Mm-hmm. So you can't lower your helmet as a defender to hit a player, nor can offensive players who are carrying the ball lower their head and, you know, try to truck a defensive player to get more yards or, or to get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a huge change. So couple that with the fact that the NFL also went back to the drawing board on the catch roll, probably mm-hmm. the most controversial, whatever that word means, the most uh, debated role in pro sports in the past five or six years. They went back to the drawing board and, and reconfigured the requirements for what is now a catch. Um, did the NFL make improvements with these rules changes or, or not, or is it just the same? Does it matter at all?
0: I I don't think it matters. Um, I'll say this about the catch rule. Um, I think we'll have to see the, the new catch rule in in effect before we can make a judgment on it um as it was written last year obviously it was it was pretty bad um and we're we're going to get into you know the the super bowl here in a in a minute but um i think the what the nfl needs to do is it needs to realize who its audience is and it and it needs to realize what fans want to see we don't want to see you you turn into you tune into an nfl game or any sport really to see you feats of athletic just prowess i would i would say um things that we as regular everyday joes can't do that's that's what we we want to see Um, we want to see Odell Beckham make spectacular catches. We want to see, um, you know, things like that. And so if, if your catch rule is taking the spectacular plays and making them not count, then you got a problem there because people don't want to see what looks to the eye like a spectacular play and have... A lawyer come out and tell you that what you just saw doesn't count, and that that was the problem with the rule as it was written before. So if it if it gives you back those those plays, those acrobatic catches, and um, you know some some of these exciting moments that only you know the the best athletes in the world can do, that that's what you want and that's what's going to keep people coming back and especially with the NFL's a passing league because that's what people want to see so if you take the best plays out of a passing league it there's really nothing to watch
1: yeah you're 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 on the right track there um the the problem with the catch rule is that every year and and it got to the point where it seemed like it was every other week There were Mm -hmm. big plays that looked like obvious catches. And this goes back to 2010 with the Calvin Johnson play Mm -hmm. that was clearly a touchdown and it got reviewed and overturned because he dropped the ball after you had already caught it. Well, supposedly caught it in the end zone and he just happened to let go of it. and, And they, they looked at that and said, no, that's not a catch everybody who looks at that play everybody as a fan would say that's a catch and it, it happened with the des bryant catch a couple of years later it was happening multiple times a season it happened again last season with the jesse james play with the steelers patriots game a game that or a play that that game hinged on So what the NFL did in improving the catch rule was that it got rid of some of the ambiguity or, or or at least the the room for subjective ruling as to what a catch is like, you know, the the fact that under the old rule that you had to survive going to the ground was a big problem with that rule because that was that was why the Calvin Johnson catch was overturned because even though Johnson had two feet in and and had both hands on the ball at one point, I think because as he was going to the ground, he just happened to let go of the ball. That was ruled as not surviving the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's just ridiculous on its face. So now all the all that you have to do to have a catch is you have to have control. Obviously that's, that's reasonable. You have to have two feet down or something that equals two feet and you have to make a, and, and, and we've heard this, this phrase before, you have to make a football move. Mm -hmm. So that's a third step. It's reaching or extending the ball or the ability to perform such an act. So, So, you know, in a way I think this rule change is, at least it was initially hailed as some kind of like magic cure for the problem, but it's really not. It's, it's a better, it's a better rule, but there's always going to be a gray area when it comes to what is, what is not a catch. And there's always going to be some subjective judgment that has to be made by an official, whether it's at the game or whether it's in, in New York at NFL headquarters, and and I I think the rule is better but I think that we're still going to see a few plays every year where some people are going to say oh no that's that's absolutely a catch and it turns out that it's not
0: Yeah now let's get into the to the conspiracy theory um concerning Super Bowl U52 and Troy Vincent and, and Patriots fans, because um, that's something that's near and dear to our, our hearts. Um, so w- walk walk us through the the conspiracy theory. I know there was a um, couple of weeks ago there was a um, an Eagles wire
1: um, piece on it. Well, uh, this was actually Patriots wire Her, uh, or Patriot's sister Patriots site, so, yeah. Sister Sites, Eagles Wire, Patriots if you really want to read that kind of thing. Um, but what happened was that Chris Mortensen and Sal Palantonio, you know, a, a Philadelphia guy, Sal, mm-hmm. went on NFL Live and talked about the officiating process during Super Bowl 52. Mm-hmm. And what Sal Palantonio said. Actually, it, it began with a remark from Chris Mortensen. He said, I will still maintain, as I said, that we saw this rule in action during the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the Patriots. Talking about the new the new catch rule. The new one, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. not the old rule, but the new rule. So that's kind of eye-opening that Chris Mortensen would say that you know we saw this this new rule in action in the Super Bowl. Then Sal Palantonio said there is no question about that. Back to Chris Mortensen. He said, I think all that was in action in that game. And then Sal Palantonio went on to say that it was pretty clear to him that the role was in place when they rolled on the Zach Ertz catch for the touchdown and the Corey Clement catch for a touchdown, which was in the third quarter. The Ertz catch was in the fourth quarter. When Al Riveron, who was the head of officiating, had those conversations meaning about whether those plays were touchdowns or not. He was in New York with Troy Vincent sitting next to him. And I, and I have to point out that Troy Vincent played for the Eagles. He was a star for the Eagles. He did? You may remember that. That <laughs> cornerback. Uh, with Gene Steratore, the referee on the field, they were having that conversation and they were basically legislating on the fly during the Super Bowl. And now we've seen it enacted unanimously by the owners. So, if you take that at face value, Chris Mortensen and Sal Palantonio are saying that this catch rule was being used even though it wasn't a rule yet. Mm-hmm. And um, that seems to be wrong in some respect, if it's true. Mm-hmm. What I would say to rebut that is... That as I was watching the game, I was certainly not aware of the new catch rule, obviously, because it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> the the rule just got approved at the owners' meetings last month. We had no idea that it was going to be changed until after the season. So as I was watching Super Bowl 52 and watching those plays, I was pretty sure, maybe pretty sure it's too strong, but I was more than 50% sure but there wasn't enough evidence to overturn them. The important thing on those plays was that both had been rolled touchdowns on the field. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't been, if one or the other or both had been rolled incomplete, I don't think there would have been enough to overturn it touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But because they were both rolled touchdowns, there just wasn't convincing evidence to say that they weren't. You can argue that on the Clement play, the ball moved in his hands. Yeah, okay. But just because the ball moved doesn't mean that it's an incomplete pass.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if you you saw, but um, on the NFL Network um, feed, and this was – if you watch the um, Eagles Championship DVD or Blu-ray, it it shows footage of uh, Gene Steratore – talking about that that play in in particular on the field and and he says to one of the other referees he says you know yeah the ball does move um but i don't i don't see enough evidence that the ball moving was him losing control of the ball and i think that's important because i th- i think that's one of the the biggest problems that i had with the original rule is i thought that um officials had a bad habit of just seeing any kind of movement and just using that as evidence that up oh, the ball moved so there's no control and that's just it's too much of a blanket um you know decision and, and there's there's really no no basis behind it um you can't be completely sure that someone doesn't have control of something just because it it moves and um i thought that the way that that the entire game was officiated was pretty pretty much what i look for um from the from the officials you know you you let them play you let the you let a football game be a football game and um, you, know, you step in when when you need to, and you know if you have to look at a play, you know a couple times just to be absolutely sure, like they did on those catches. I'm fine with it, but I I just think you know, did a very good job of of knowing how many eyes were on them um, at that point of time, being the biggest game of the season, and knowing that. You know, there's there's going to be some controversy here, um, but let's mitigate it as much as possible, and let's be reasonable with this judgment, um, which is really what they're there for. Um, so that's that's what I really appreciated about it, and I also appreciated the fact that it it went the way that I wanted it
1: to go. Well, yeah, of course. I, <laughs> I I think though that the the mounting. Criticism of the catch rule at that point, the previous catch rule, had not gone unnoticed by the NFL's, you know, the 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 NFL executives and Al Riveron and Troy Vincent and I and and even Gene Steratore and and I think that they knew that they did not want the Super Bowl to come down to an overturned touchdown now you can say that you can paint that as a conspiracy but i think that's misleading because there's really no proof of a conspiracy yeah you can you can always kind of connect the dots if you if you really want to in, in, Mm -hmm. in 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 any number of situations to try to say oh you know this was a deep state at work or this is some kind of shadow organization running the nfl hmm. but what it, what it, what i think really happened was that the nfl the people in charge of officiating did not want to have a super bowl come down to an overturned touchdown a play that, in in this case two plays that were touchdowns on the field they didn't want them to get reversed unless it was absolutely clear that it should be reversed and neither of those plays mm-hmm. qualified as that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, any, any thoughts on, on the lowering of the head? We kind of skimmed over that. that one.
1: That's the big deal. Um, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of eager to see how that rule, <laughs> you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the catch rule, but play to play that, that the lowering of the helmet actually matters.
0: It's going to be very hard, I think, to legislate that um, fairly um, because there's so many, so many opportunities to lower your head um, in some ways to protect yourself from one hit. You know, you you might lower your head to, you know, avoid one and and end up making contact with another one. So I I think it's a bad rule. Um, I'm. I'm really, really curious to see how this this plays out. Um,
1: I think this th- I this know. is as big a change as when the NCAA implemented a targeting penalty with ejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was about five years ago, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. It was just a massive... It was a sea change in how the game was played. And this to me is on is on par with that if if it is legislated as reported at the owners meetings which is that no player whether on offense or defense can lower the helmet Mm -hmm. because think of running backs carrying the ball they lower their helmet all the time think of yeah uh, linebackers coming up to make a play at the line cornerbacks Lowering the helmet happens so often in the game that yeah. mm-hmm. I think the NFL has a goal of getting mm-hmm. head injuries minimized to a certain point, and they're obviously going to do everything they can to try to get rid of that. But mm-hmm. when rubber hits the road, I don't know how quickly something like that. Can be implemented with such uh, uh, with, with so much at stake. Not only is it outlawed, but mm. players can be ejected now on the spot for just one instance. Right. And and that's why I compare it to targeting because once they put that in the in college football, where you saw safeties and cornerbacks getting thrown out, you know, like mm. a minute into a game, that was just a a huge difference.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, I don't think it's going to prevent the head injuries that that they think it is. Um, I think it's just going to, going to cause more issues in the game itself um, than anything else. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say, really.
1: <laughs> sure. So if we if we're talking about role changes, I think we have to touch on a change that hasn't been made, but it's, it's certainly come up in in the headlines this off season. It's, it's usually, um, well, lately it's been an owner saying something or not, or not saying something. I'm thinking of Bob McNair from the Houston Texans. The Mm -hmm. issue is the national anthem at games and whether the owners should or should not implement a rule as to whether players have to stand or twirl or dance during the anthem. I mean, it, it seems kind of silly that the NFL has gotten to the point where they're debating whether to make it mandatory to stand at attention during the national anthem. But here we are. So should, should, should the league take action on this is the question.
0: Um, any action I think they should take should really be just that the national anthem is not required. Um, and I say that as I – don't really publicize this but i am you know a member of the military and i just think the entire thing is stupid um there's no the the national anthem up until a couple years ago wasn't even televised you know before um and now they're they're making it this this big thing um and it's 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 all a um you know, the the military pays the NFL to be on the field um all that's been been well documented the NFL does nothing for the military out of the goodness of its heart they they do it for publicity and they do it for money um so no i'm not going to force players to to stand for the national anthem or salute or um whatever i think the whole thing is ridiculous um i'm ready for this debate to be over frankly um and i don't don't know what else to say but no this this is the united states of america it's not north korea they do not have to stand for the national anthem they don't even have to be on the field as far as i'm concerned um i think the entire thing is
1: ridiculous and wow, that's uh, strong words coming from a veteran. <laughs> but here's here's what I think. That would be ideal if the if they could just get rid of the anthem. But it will never happen, not in a million years, because a huge portion of the NFL's fan base loves the fact that the anthem is such a big deal at games.
0: Mm-hmm, and. Yeah, and 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 the NFL is um they pride themselves on on having the viewership of those in the flyover mm-hmm. states who are the ones who really really enjoy that that sort of thing more than than say the majority of the rest of the country.
1: This is a great example of the law of unintended consequences. I think, you know, uh, I think you said it was maybe five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, when when the Anthems started to become a bigger part of the pregame festivities and players were forced to be on the field, whereas before mm-hmm. they weren't. Um, mm-hmm. Not that they weren't forced to be on the field, they just weren't on the field. Mm-hmm. Once the NFL went down that road to making... A, making the anthem a bigger part of it and having all kinds of military tie-ins, you know, um, salute mm-hmm. to service is such a big deal now. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared for the fact that things might not always go according to plan. And I'm sure that the, right. I'm sure that the NFL uh, leaders starting with Roger Goodell, didn't fully think through. The idea that maybe not everybody is going to be on board with this or that maybe this initiative could be twisted in a way to make us look bad or maybe not intentionally make us look bad, but it could be co-opted by players. Maybe co-opted is not quite the right word, but it could be taken in another direction you know, I, mm-hmm. I I certainly support freedom of expression as a journalist, and I think that uh, there there shouldn't be a rule in any league that players should have to do any certain thing when an anthem or when a whatever when a uh, a flag is displayed. You you shouldn't be required to do any any specific thing but what that does is um it kind of leaves the door open for for that for that freedom of expression to take another form and mm-hmm. that's what's happened in the nfl that players said no we're going to use this moment to do something else and uh, and and that's it's become or at least it did become the biggest story in the league. And and the NFL could have never imagined that. But once they went down that road of making the Anthem such a big deal, I don't think there was any going back. And and I still don't think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the crazy thing about it is really the, the controversy isn't even the, the Anthem itself. It's the, the protest, which has been, you know, bastardized by people who don't understand um, the purpose of the the protest, um, and it, so it's it's become this bigger bigger thing. That e- even if, uh, even without the. Um, you know the uh the the what do you call it the um you know, this, this whole you new know, nationalist point of view towards the 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 anthem and the and the you know, fetishizing of the flag if you you take all that out of it just the whole um reason behind how we got to where we are now had nothing to do with with patriotism or um, the military, or or any of that stuff, it it had to do with um, the way Black Americans, and and one Black American in particular, uh, how he decided that he was going to protest the way that a, a lot of you know, one community felt about how they were being treated by by this country, and I think that in in a league that is 100% owned by rich white guys.
1: You're talking about the There's owners. There's no
0: way for right. Yep. There's no way for them to to even predict that anything like that was was gonna occur because they were blind to what was going on around them, and they they were blind to the um um. You know, to the, to the issues in that that segment of the population, which they don't really have any kind of
1: um, ties to. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true that the owners didn't foresee it, and now they're now they're 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 kind of backed into a a, a corner, um, and. It really wouldn't. It wouldn't think, surprise me if they do adopt a rule, whether it's next year. I guess conceivably it could happen even sooner. Where I, th- I think
0: they'll they'll attempt one for sure because I I think they're forced to deal with a situation that they don't understand and they don't know how to to deal with. So the only way that that they're they're going to approach it is by you know attempting to placate the wrong the wrong people um but but that's going to be the 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 people that they think that um are going to help their bottom line more and it's sad but it it is the way it yeah, is yeah it
1: it's a business and i hate the term business decision but the NFL is going to make a business decision on this and um, and I'm sure we're, we're going to revisit this in the future. The next time something happens, which uh, I'm sure it won't take long for that in the in tomorrow. the 2018 season. Yeah, it could even be tomorrow. It could even be tomorrow.
0: Well, speaking so, speaking of business decisions, let's let's move on. Let's go rapid fire um, as we we close out. So, Adam Schefter is reporting that Tom Brady hasn't made his business business decision yet if he will play the 2018 season. Uh, John, does Tom Brady come back and play in 2018?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I, Ad, Adam Schefter really annoys me. Um, <laughs> I hope he listens to this podcast. I'm thinking he might. Um, first of all, the guy doesn't know what, how to properly use an apostrophe. And that bugs <laughs> me to no end. That you could be Adam Schefter and not know how to use an apostrophe. Like, he'll say Eagles... Linebacker Michael Kendricks and he'll put an apostrophe on Eagles. No, there is there is no apostrophe there. None. So just stop doing it. He does it every time. So what does Adam Schefter really know? Uh nothing about grammar and... He's the king of floating although I, Ian Rappaport is right there with him actually. Of of yeah, floating got, these ideas. Shoes. Yeah out there and nobody really knows who they're coming from or whether they're credible. Rapaport and Schefter do tend to be right about a lot of breaking news, not always. Mm-hmm. And that's why their word seems to be trusted. But they'll do things like this sometimes where they'll say, well, it's believed that Tom Brady is contemplating retiring. Who believes that? Like, who are you talking about? Who is it it is believed? Mm-hmm. And th- this seems to be – it's it's really been a hellacious offseason for the Patriots. I mean, we talked about the Eagles having a bumpy offseason, but the, the Patriots are having a nightmarish offseason. Um, yeah. All in all, I, I think a lot of this Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski stuff is – the media filling time while those guys are off living the lives of rich men. Um, and Gronk is probably just looking for more money. And mm-hmm. Tom Brady has never come out and said I'm e- I'm even thinking about not coming back, which Gronkowski did right after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's just that because there's no official sentence, no official statement from Brady saying I will come back there's like some room for doubt. No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, no, I I'm with you. Um, I think for sure. Tom Brady will be playing again. Um, not just because I, I think he wants to keep playing, but also his, his business, this tb 12 thing, um, it hinges on his ability to, to keep playing well into his 40s. So, um, if he wants to keep that thing going, he's going to play, Um, I don't care what Giselle says. I don't care what his kids say. Um, he's coming back and playing there. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, one more thing before, before we close, just real quick, John, Des Bryant released by the Cowboys, um, says he wants to stay in the NFC East. Um, doesn't look like the Eagles have any, uh, interest in signing him and, and probably the Giants and Redskins don't either. Uh, what are your thoughts? Where do you think, where do you see Des Bryant going? Um, do you think the Cowboys are crazy to let him go?
1: I think that they're crazy to let him go when they did because it just looked bad. It was it was bad for Dez and bad for them too to you know not cut him before free agency rather than well into free agency. Um he he could have gotten a bigger well, maybe not a bigger deal, but he would have had a lot more uh, options at his disposal if he had been available at the beginning of free agency rather than now when the dust has more or less settled. I, th- I think that um, out of the NFC East, it seems kind of crazy, but the Redskins are probably the team that would be the best fit for him. Mm-hmm. But I also haven't seen a whole lot of chatter linking him to the Redskins. The, uh, the Ravens seem to be the leading candidate, or at least one of the leading candidates, to sign him, which, which totally fits with the Ravens. They, they love to sign older players who have had a couple of bad seasons <laughs> or maybe are supposedly on the decline they did it with Steve Smith. They did it with Mike Wallace Mm -hmm. going back. They've done it so many times. Um, and they have money to spend, not a ton of it, but they have some. So if I had to bet, I think I'd bet on Baltimore.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, I think something's rotten in Denmark. Um, I don't. I know that 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 Des had had not really been. He's he's been wearing out his welcome in in Dallas, but um, I think the way they let him go was re- really. It was a bad look for them. Like like you said, it was a bad look for him. Um, I I don't know that. I th- I think. Jason Garrett's not the right guy for that team anymore, I don't think, if if he ever was. I I don't know. I just I don't have a a good feeling um about the way that, that the Cowboys have, have run things for a little while and I think
1: that's why um they have struggled. Um But that should make you feel good, right? That's true it makes me feel great.
0: <laughs> in a way, um,
1: Jason Garrett is is a yeah. perfect guy if you're an Eagles fan because he's just a, a puppet, you know. Jerry I, Jones is the one pulling the strings. And,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's it and they can keep it that way, but I I do think I think something's rotten in Denmark there. Um you know, I think I think um that you know, they presumably we'll have Zeke Elliott back for the entirety of the season. If he doesn't do anything stupid again, (laughs) or if he doesn't get hurt, um, he's, he's somebody that is probably their best player on that team. Um, I, I don't think Dak Prescott is as good as, um, you know, we, we might've thought he was that, that first year, he, he definitely needs options around him. So it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but looking around the NFC East, I'm not really seeing much in the way of competition. Um, I think going into next season, and this, you know, this is probably something we should talk talk about down the road. Um, but what are the Eagles' chances of repeating? You know, the first thing they need to to focus on is um, repeating as NFC East champs. And um, you know, you look around, um, I don't see anything. From the Redskins, I, th- and I think Alex Smith is is a um, not an upgrade from Kirk Cousins. Um, and they've got issues there. The Giants, who knows what's going on with them. Um, and the Cowboys don't really inspire a lot of confidence. So that makes me feel good about things. And this, this Des Bryant situation with the Cowboys makes me think that things are probably worse there than... Um, than we might've originally thought
1: we can only hope. So yeah, I I think we'll have plenty of time in future weeks to, uh, to talk about the Eagles and where they stand in not just the NFC East, but the NFC as a whole next week, we have one of the big events of the year of the NFL year, not just the off season, but the whole year. And that is the NFL draft, which starts Thursday night, and speaking of the Cowboys, the draft this year is at AT&T Stadium in, don't call it Dallas, but Arlington, Texas. So uh, I think we, we've got to get back on the pod machine and preview what's going to happen in Arlington.
0: We do. Um, God, I can't believe it's it's coming up that fast. But that's what happens when you're Super Bowl champions, man. The offseason doesn't last very long. But um... – but yeah, that'll, so that'll about do it for this episode of, of Eagle's Trash Talk. Um, before we, we go, I do have one big announcement that I want to share with with all of you guys. Um, so we've switched to a new hosting platform. Uh, we've, we've switched from SoundCloud, which only gave us about three hours for free, um, which is why we weren't able to keep old episodes up for very long. Um, this new platform um, will allow us unlimited... Um, storage for all of our episodes so we'll be able to keep um, the old ones so you guys can go back and listen to um, the old ones as we post them. Um, for those of you who are listening on SoundCloud, we are going to keep the podcast on SoundCloud so you don't have to worry about um, losing that. So if you've already subscribed on, on SoundCloud, you're fine. Just keep listening to us you know, as you're comfortable doing so. Um, but what this also means for some of our other listeners is um, we are actually going to be able to be found on iTunes. Um, we, we've, we had issues keeping the podcast on iTunes for whatever reason, but that should be cured by now. So, um, if you prefer to listen on iTunes, you can go ahead and subscribe to us, um, and download us on your, your Apple podcast, uh, machine. Um, and we will also be having a website that will host the the podcast as well. Um, I'm currently working on, on that. So, so stick with me, but that'll be, um, I'll announce that here, um, coming up very soon, but you'll be able to, to get the podcast there as well. So you'll have a little bit more options. Um, and we're also going to have, uh, show notes as well. So you can follow along, um, with the episode and, and get links to, you know, various sundry things that we might reference throughout the, um, Throughout the episode, so stick around for that. Uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, if you were paying attention uh, to our Kickstarter, you would you would know that that has come and gone. Unfortunately, we did not get funded, but that is okay. We're going to keep pressing on. Um, but yeah, so we, we do have things in the in the works for you guys to to you know, thank you for for continuing to listen and and to make this listening experience even better. So once it gets on, on iTunes, make sure you guys uh, rate and review us um, and subscribe. Um, That way it'll keep us, keep us going and and, um, keep us being able to bring the the podcast to you. Um, John, do you have anything else you want to add?
1: No, I think you covered it all, man. Um, And uh, those changes sound really, really exciting.
0: I think so. I think so. So we'll, we'll see how they work. And, you know, I'm always, always tinkering with this thing, trying to make it make it even better. And, and, you know, the important thing is I want to keep it free. um, So you guys can can listen, um, you know, freely. Um, for lack of a better word. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, so so that'll be it. Um, as always, you know, Eagles Trash Talk has been produced, edited and mixed by me, Brandon Fisher, and hosted by myself uh, with John Fogg. Uh, special thanks to the fine folks at Hook Sounds for providing the theme music to this and all episodes of the podcast. For royalty-free music, visit Hook Sounds at www.hooksounds.com. Uh, John, thanks again for uh, coming back and uh Helping me out with this exciting uh, podcast. We're getting ready to start a new um, new season uh, here with the draft coming up. So hopefully we'll be back on next week. Um, but in the meantime, uh, as always, go, go birds. Fight.